I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, Browns fans, and welcome to yet another edition of OBR Weekly. This one for August 16th, 2023. My name is Barry McBride. I am the publisher and the web dork of the OBR. The purpose of tonight's program is to ask questions of and get reactions from the legend, Mr. Freddie Greetham, who is to my immediate right. Hi, Fred. How you doing, sir? Doing good. Oh, that's good. That's, uh, that's uh, good to hear. That is very good to hear. Um, before we get into it, uh, as always, uh, the usual disclaimer. This show is powered by your comments and questions, not mine. We really want to hear from you, so please hit us up with your comments uh, or your takes in the YouTube and Twitch chat rooms. I will keep a sharp eye on them, and I will cue them up uh, for uh, Fred to respond to. Um, <clears throat> also, if you are on YouTube, please make sure to uh, slam that like button uh, and try to fool the Google algorithm into thinking that there are millions of Browns fans watching this program and that millions more uh, should be watching. Uh, and uh, you can also subscribe to our broadcasts. Uh, there's already almost 7,000 people who have subscribed to our broadcasts. And it doesn't cost anything. You just uh, get notified whenever there is a new broadcast on YouTube. For your Twitch folks, uh, we love you folks. Uh, subscribing has a different meaning on Twitch. It means you give us 4 bucks a month. Uh, and uh, that helps fund the program. Uh, they reward us with cold, hard cash and are really appreciated, really help to support the program. So thank you very much if you are on YouTube or Twitch. And we got a lot to talk about. Since the last time we were on air, Fred, uh, the Browns have played the uh, Washington whatevers and had some practices against the Philadelphia Eagles heading into a meaningless game tomorrow night where we're mostly going to see reserves. Well, it's not meaningless for many of the players, but, you know, meaningless in the standings, certainly. Um, interestingly, though, Fred, uh, we're going to see uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson start, and we're going to see Kellen Mond, but uh, no Josh Dobbs. And Josh Dobbs struggled a bit against the Commanders. Um, I don't know what to make of this, Fred. Do you? Do, do you think, do you interpret that as meaning that Dobbs is safe as the number two QB and that they're, the Browns aren't worried about what they saw against the Commanders? Pretty much. Yeah, they're, they're, they really just want, you know, to expose Dorian Thompson Robinson to as much as they can. The plan is that he wouldn't really play this year, but you want to, you want to see as much as you can of him. And if you did have the unfortunate injury with Watson or even Dobbs, that he would be ready or have a little bit of experience, albeit preseason. Kellen Mond, same thing. 
I think more for Mond, I think it's given him an opportunity to show what he can do to see if maybe they could trade him and get something for him. I think they know what they have in Dobbs. Um, I believe in the contract situation, he, he has about $2 million in guaranteed. And it doesn't seem like the Browns would be willing to just eat that by cutting him. And, um, you know, I think Jack pointed out they could trade him if somebody wanted him and they'd absorb some of it, but it would be, it would still be a substantial hit. So I think really they're trying to get a good feel on DTR to see if he indeed will be the backup for the 23 season. If they decide that he is good enough back up this year, I think it's kind of a risk because we've seen guys look good in the preseason before, a lot of guys, and then they don't do much in the regular season. He's a rookie. He's a fifth-round pick. Um, He looks like he has a lot of potential, but as far as um, I think they just want to get him as much time as they can. Yeah, uh, understood. And and Dobbs, obviously, he looked very good during last year's preseason, but he went in and proved it uh, with the Titans last year during the regular season. So uh, as I answered a question in ATI earlier today, sometimes I can't help myself, um, and and basically said, look, you know, Dobbs has a track record, and uh, he looked good last preseason. There's no reason to think that that all of a sudden has disappeared you know, because of one bad quarter, um, you know, coming in sort of rusty against the uh, the Washington Commanders. So it uh, does seem like the Browns are committed to him as the number two uh, quarterback unless, you know, once again, DTR comes and uh, just, blows, uh, uh, just blows the Eagles up uh, tomorrow night again. Um, getting some questions in, and I appreciate, uh, appreciate the questions. Uh, coming in already. Please fire yours in. I've only got a couple sort of lined up, so the more questions the better, and uh, please fire them off. Uh, one thing I do have to tell people right off the bat is that the OBR was not in person in Philadelphia. Uh, that was a Barry decision. Uh, we spent two weeks out in Greenbrier, uh, so we were not there to see um, anything beyond you know sort of what you've seen or heard in the media uh, that was there uh, in Philadelphia. Uh, next year, we hope to have grown to the point where we can go out on every trip uh, with the team. We're still a growing enterprise. Greenbrier was a huge trip for us, uh, and next year we hope to do even more. Uh, so, unfortunately, we can't give you uh, a lot of uh, perspective from the sidelines in Philadelphia. We can tell you, uh, uh, you know, as Palm Tree Life. Uh, is interested in, can give you our perspective on what we were happy about with the joint practice and uh, what we were unhappy about, at least from the reports of what we heard at the joint practice. Uh, Fred, uh, was there anything really that you heard coming out of Philadelphia uh, which surprised you uh, with respect to this, uh, what happened with regards to the joint practice? No, and I apologize for my mic. Or mic setting isn't showing up on my screen, so I'm going through the computer. But nothing surprised me as far as I mean, you get everybody has a different um, 
opinion, what they see. You know, you can watch certain get certain po- positions and think, oh, they really did good. Same thing I've said in quarterbacks, they can throw the ball a hundred times in a practice. If you happen to be concentrating on five or six throws and they look good, they look good to you. The other 95, they might have not looked good, but you didn't see those. So I didn't see any of them in person. So it's hard for me to evaluate, you know, what happened, you know, at some of the positions and that I can just say on what I saw in Greenbrier and what I saw you know, in in Berea so far is the quarterbacks look pretty good to me. I'm not really worried about, you know, him at this point. I think that he will get it figured out. I would much rather have him struggling now than a month from now. So we'll see. As far as other positions, I think the defense has clearly been ahead. Um, The pass rush, I've said it many times, I think is going to be very good this year. And I think the defense is going to allow the, the offense to to catch up, you know, as time goes on. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think you're on to something in terms of saying that it's, it's all a matter of perspective uh, in terms of, um, you know, what plays people are watching or paying particularly close attention to. Um, Zach Jackson, our old friend from Fox Sports Ohio days, uh, where Fred and I both worked alongside uh, Zach at Fox Sports Ohio, uh, made some noise in his new gig at The Athletic today by adamantly saying that Watson is struggling to throw from the pocket. Uh, And that made a lot of noise on social media. I had the misfortune of writing sort of a positive piece in my Newswire bloviation this morning um, saying that, hey, these are not your 2022 Browns uh, relative to... uh, um, you know, particularly relevant to the defense, uh, respective to the defense, uh, which uh, really gave the Eagles fits uh, in the, the two-a-day practices. Um, and so it was linked on Reddit and other places like that. People were saying, boy, these beat guys don't know, you know, whether things are great or whether things are horrible or, you know, really what's going on. Well, first of all, I'm not a beat guy. Uh, Fred is our beat reporter. Uh, but secondly, um, you know, it, it's really dependent on that perspective, I think, like Fred says, uh, based on what you're focusing on. Uh, we do have a couple of questions on that uh, On that question. Mars 64 says, uh, um, you know, Watson supposedly is bad in the pocket, staring down wide receivers. One of the talking heads said so this morning. Can it be fixed soon, or is this always a weakness in his game that, that Houston masked, masked well? Uh, throwing badly from the pocket, uh, was that part of his history in Houston that you're aware of, Fred? Well, if throwing badly accounts to 4,800 yards, you know, I and 32 <laughs> touchdowns and 11 interceptions, I would sign that up every day. I mean, he led the NFL in passing yardage in 2020, three straight Pro Bowls. Um, I don't think anything was masked. Um, you know, they were four and twelve, and they were behind, so he might have been passing a little more. But he, but you know, he is who he is. I'll say this: no disrespect to Lamar Jackson, but I don't consider him a great pocket passer. Mm-hmm. And if if Watson has nothing more than being able to run the ball, being mobile and run and throw on the run, I mean. I think you got at least that much. It's 
you got much more of an opportunity, you know, right there. But I really have not seen that. I've not seen him having trouble in the pocket on a continual basis. Yeah, it might be a little bit of situations here and there, but um, if, if the regular season starts and it looks like that, then there's some concern. But I'm not I've, – I've watched – this stuff for 30 some years and in practice i've seen guys just look like the best thing i've ever seen and it doesn't equate to nothing in a game and Mm -hmm. and vice versa guys that you think this guy's terrible then they play very well when the lights are on so i'm not getting too up or too down about what i see in practice um I thought he looked pretty good on the first drive the other night. That that might be all you get to see in the preseason. I don't know if he'll play against the Chiefs. If he does, it won't be much. But you got to see, you know, frankly, I was shocked that he played after it rained and you had an hour and a half rain delay. Besides the field being wet and slippery, these guys warm up, it seems like, at least a half hour. And then when they came back out, they had a 10 minute warm up time and some of the players were held out and those are prime for pulled muscle injuries, not only because it's wet, but because they didn't really get totally loosened back up. So the fact that he played and he ran three times out of like eight, nine, 10, 11 plays, you know, tells me that, that he, he's feeling pretty good. So, that mobile aspect, I think, is big, and and I do think that it'll they'll get it they'll get it figured out on the passing. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, he's the best quarterback I've seen in practice since I've covered the Browns, and that's saying you know, and that's going back to Brian Sipe and Bernie Kosar. And I'm not equating that into the games, but at least in practice. He's he's better than what I saw in practice for those guys back in their heydays, athletically, right. arm wise, mobility, the whole package. So, I think that you know he'll he'll figure it out. If he doesn't, yeah, I think the Browns you know will have a you know will have some struggles, but. The, the thing that I think that's optimistic is that the Browns played the defending M- NFC champions, the number one defense in the NFL. Okay, I wouldn't be surprised if they struggled a little bit. But on the other side of the ball, the defense went toe-to-toe with the Eagles in every report I heard. And if this defense, like I've been saying all along under Jim Schwartz, can keep the Browns in games and trim a few points off what Joe Woods' defense gave up. They gave up 22-23 a game. If they can just give up 20 a game, I think this offense will figure it out, you know, sooner or later. But if they can keep them in the games early, I think that's going to give them a chance. And and that's the one thing I don't feel like the Browns had in the past two years was a, a lockdown defense. And I think they have a chance to be a lockdown defense in 2023 sure you want to see watson playing well you want to see the offense playing well but i'd much rather see them playing well in september 10th than august 10th so you know take it for its worth yeah exactly and i think we're 
you know, as you've been saying, Fred, uh, I, I think we're at a point in the season where people are seeing different things, different sets of eyes seeing different things. Uh, I think Zach is, you know, I don't, Zach is not the sort of guy who goes out there and tries to get a reaction and get people all stirred up. I think, I think that he's legitimately saying what he sees. You're saying what you see. And, uh, you know, uh, what everybody sees may be significantly different a month from now uh, when the uh, starters are on the field. Uh, and uh, we're not going from a vanilla playbook, uh, and uh, you know, and the, the the bullets are fine. Um, you know, as opposed to that, uh, talk radio is typically out there to uh, try to get a reaction out of people. And Kevin Gartner writes, uh, "What do you make of the offensive performance in day two of the joint practice? Do you think Rizzo, local uh, sports talker Tony Rizzo, is overreacting? He made a big deal out of that today." Um, like you said, Fred, they're going against the number one defense in the NFC, Super Bowl team, team that almost won the Super Bowl, and a team that I think was probably a little bit fired up on day two of the practice after what happened on day one where the Browns really seemed to have frustrated them and maybe gotten the better of them. Do you think that might have been a factor? You know, there was a lot of word going around about cheap shots and you know, the, the Eagles being all fired up on day two. Do you think the Browns may have taken them a little bit by surprise on the first day of practice? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I don't know. Um, You know, it is what it is. It's practice. I think more than anything, it allows the Browns to measure where they stand against a team of that caliber. Again, going back to the offense, if, if the offense is going to struggle, I think that's a good thing because I think that – do you think they're aware of it more so than we are? I believe so. They're looking at film 24 hours a day, and I think they will then put maybe a little more attention to, look, we have a long way to go, and you're showing to the players. And, you know, as opposed to going out there, man, we just sailed right through the Eagles. They went to the Super Bowl. We're on our way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you gotta you gotta maybe look at it the other way that that they say, okay, this was the pinnacle or the apex of their training camp. Not so much the games is practicing against the Eagles, the the NFC champion, and probably another Super Bowl favorite to see. Excuse me, see where you stand against them, and okay. You, sh- you showed up short or came up short. I think that will motivate them all the more to get that corrected, you know, as far as um, 
you know, in the next month. And, and so I don't know what to say as far as motivation. Yeah, they're, they're prideful men. They don't want to be embarrassed. And, and I'm sure the, the Eagles, you know, if they felt like they didn't do as well as they did on the first day, they wanted to prove themselves. But I think that's just, that's just par for the course. But I'm not too concerned about it. I think that, if anything, this is a good thing for the Browns' offense to not be content. You, you also, you know, you know, like I said, you got a couple, three more weeks of practices, and they're going to work on these things. You might not see the guys in the game, but I think I think they know what they need to work on. I think the coaches will remind them. They're not going to say, oh, yeah, well, you guys are great. We're ready to go to the Super Bowl. They're going to show out all those things mm-hmm. that happened and went wrong. Right, right. Um, let's uh, change the topic a little bit to the wide receivers. Uh, Palm Tree Life asks, is anyone emerging as a replacement for Marquise Goodwin? Uh, interesting question. I mean, obviously we have no idea when or if Goodwin is going to be back. Uh, he's a speedster. He was brought in for that reason. Um, anyone you think you can step into his footsteps or is Elijah Moore, you know, perhaps uh, a replacement for Marquise Goodwin. I mean, Elijah Moore is not a slow guy. Uh, Anthony Schwartz doesn't look like he is. What, what, what are your thoughts on this, Fred? Well, I think they have plans for Elijah Moore to be used all over the place. Certainly, he's a 4-3-40 guy, so he's a speed guy, so he can be used to stretch the field. But um, when he's out on the field, I believe he's going to draw a lot of attention anyway. It'd be nice mm-hmm. if Goodwin who is kind of another, you know, guy, you might, he might be your fourth receiver on the field. So you might get a more favorable matchup than one of your marquee guys and more, but certainly more can do it. I have no idea with Goodwin. I do know he's been at practices, even was out there with his helmet on. Hadn't seen that, you know, at all that I can remember in training camp. The fact that he's around with the team, seems to tell me that they must be feeling that he's getting close. I knew Kevin Stefanski said down in West Virginia that, you know, we have until September 10th. The guy's 32 years old. He's been in the league 11, 10, 11, 12 years. I don't think they're too worried about him, you know, going through all the rigors of everything. We know what he's in there. He's a speed guy. He, he ran the go route with Watson during minicamp in June. So I think they're just trying to be, you know, super careful with him. When he gets the go-ahead, I would think he would be back out there. Um, and I think they would much rather it be for the regular season than now. That said, you don't know. You know, they don't tell you anything about the situation other than blood cuts. I don't know what that means as far as how do they gauge that. I would think that if it wasn't an optimistic look, that he wouldn't be around as much as he has been. I think he would be going somewhere else, and, you know, if there's a treatment to be done, he'd be getting it. So, right. I mean, I don't know. But Jalen Darden, I mean, he's somebody that I thought fill that role because he's a kick returner, or Jakeem Grant, but he'd been sidelined with a leg injury, and Grant, they're bringing back slow. They're both speed guys, and it would make sense to me 
that might give you the opportunity then to have a return guy on the roster because, as I've said before, if you count Goodwin in the equation, I don't know how the numbers add up, but you can have um, a, you know, just a specialist. You know, if, mm-hmm. if Darden or Grant can be a legitimate wide receiver, okay, I can see a path. The other one is Austin Watkins. I mean, he, I don't know exactly his timing, but he looks pretty quick to me. He's a big, tall guy, um, but he's certainly vying for a spot on the roster. But, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't, I would think that they went out and got Elijah Moore and Marquise Goodwin and drafted Cedric Tillman to replace Anthony Schwartz because Anthony Schwartz is known as a speed guy. And they went out and got two speed guys. So maybe he's still in the plans to, to be that guy if Goodwin can't go. I don't know. But I think they do have options. And uh, they're certainly much more deep at wide receiver than they were last year. Hey, have we heard anything about how long it's going to take Darden to return to the field? Or is that uh, shrouded in mystery like uh, so many other injuries? I do not know. They're very tight-lipped. I did not go to Philly, as you mentioned, and mm-hmm. I do not know if he was on the field. Not, I didn't see his name mentioned at all, so I assumed that he was not on the field. Um, I'll say we saw him walk off practice in West Virginia near the end of the time there. The next day he had a sleeve on his right leg, which indicates some type of leg injury. They said a leg, but we don't know if it's hamstring or calf or thigh or what's wrong with the leg. Um, and he's just been on the side with the trainers. And it seemed like that would have been a golden opportunity for him with Grant sideline to, you know, to, to make some headway. But both of them really have not. Now, Grant's been out there. He was in team drills last week in Berea. Didn't hear much about over in Philly. So, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they have those two guys, if, if Darden's cleared, have them get some returns in tomorrow or next week just to kind of gauge it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, we've got uh, actually uh, the same question asked in the YouTube and the Twitch chat rooms. In YouTube, it's asked by Rick Adkins. In the uh, Twitch uh, chat room, it's asked by uh, Tony Fain. And uh, the question is whether Ronnie Hickman is going to make the team. Hickman, obviously, with a couple of picks in that uh, last preseason game. Um, but he's fighting for a position at safety with DeAnthony Bell, who's proven himself on special teams. Uh, that is an interesting roster battle to watch. Uh, I don't think either of them uh, have a real good shot at making it onto the practice squad if, uh, if exposed to waivers. Uh, what do you think, Fred? What what is uh, what's your uh, thoughts on Ronnie Hickman and uh, his effort to make the team as an undrafted free agent? Well, I think Bell has a leg up because he was a core special teams player last year, made it as an undrafted rookie. Um, now Hickman, sure, when you make plays and they stand out to interceptions, um, his special teams is he. Is he going to be able to to beat out Bell on special teams? I think they're clearly battling for the fourth safety spot. Bubba Bolden, you know, was in had was on the practice squad last year, and he's now 
injured and, and put on injury reserve. So it's really between Hickman, Bell, and another Buckeye, Tanner McAllister, but he's been a little dinged. So I think it's going to be when it's all said and done, one of them's going to make the roster for their special teams play. I know they like Hickman. They gave him, like, money to sign as an undrafted free agent. Um, I guess it will come down to who they think might have a better chance to get through waivers. I do think that there's more guys having a chance to get through waivers now because there's only one cut. He's got to go from 90 to 53 in one fell swoop, I mean the deadline. So if teams wait till the deadline, there's going to be like 12, 1,300 players mm-hmm. hit the waiver wire at the same time. And most teams are having their trouble getting their own roster put together. It seems to me that it would be tough, you know, to even be scouring other teams' rosters or cuts unless they really – if somebody really wanted Hickman, you would think they would have signed him in free agency, you know, when he, or drafted him. But nobody did. The Browns signed So I don't know. They have to make a decision, one or the other. But I would say, you know, I don't know how to gauge special teams. I know Bell was good at it. Hickman can be as good. They may, they may go with him. Yeah, uh, just a couple of points. First, I mean, that's a great point on the fact that it's a single cut, Fred. That's going to be a tidal wave of players coming available. Uh, the only thing I thought that goes through my head on that is that Teams have such huge personnel departments these days. They could have, you know, 15 people allocated to predicting who's going to hit the waiver wire or whatever. But the the second thing I, I point out is that if you watch the OBR draft show on day three, uh, you would know that Ronnie Hickman was of particular interest to the Browns. Uh, they were interested in him in the lower rounds of the draft. Uh, that was something that we were reporting exclusively on day three of the draft that they were very, very interested in him. So uh, I would say that they like him a lot, and he hasn't done much of anything uh, to discourage them from liking him. So definitely something to keep an eye on uh, as uh, uh, the team plays these final two preseason games and heads toward that, uh, that final cut. Uh, interesting question from uh, Era on the YouTube uh, chat room. Uh, and he's interested in the potential of trading Ethan Posick and starting uh, the rookie Luke Whipler out of uh, uh, out of Ohio State. Of course, the Browns still have uh, the other backup center as well, who is healthy again and uh, apparently looking good. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Fred? Are are the Browns uh, beset with riches at centers to the point where they could trade in Ethan Posick or 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 not? You think they're going to play it safe? Well, they just signed him to a three-year, $18 million deal, you right. know, this offseason. Somebody must would really have to want him to, you know, with a trade, you have to have a, another team willing to take on not only the player but the salary. If somebody's right. really desperate, I would think you'd be better off trading Nick Harris. You know, by all nations, he is – and remember, at this time last year, he was the starting center. Right. Ethan Postick was brought in just to be insurance policy. And uh, Harris went down the first, second play of preseason, unfortunately. And because they drafted Whipler, might have like been Wally Pipped. Postick did so well in his opportunity, 
that they signed him to a three-year big extension. And now Harris is in the final year of his contract, so he's cheap, but you probably walk after this year, you know, unless they they sign him to an extension if he if he's the backup all year. So I I don't know what they're thinking of Whipler, but if if Harris has looked good, they may keep him as a backup not only at center but at guard. You know, he he could win maybe a position at backup guard behind, you know, Botonio and Teller and move Michael Dunn out or, or somebody else like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Drew Forbes who got hurt. So I, I think anything's possible, but I don't know why they, they had to think really post to give him a three year, $18 million deal. I don't think yeah. they'd sour on him that quick and then trade him and then go with Harris or Whipler, especially Harris, who would be more logical. And then he's in the final year of his contract, and then you, then you, you might lose him. So uh, they do have options, and I mean that's a good thing. But I just think they, they, they knew they had Harris coming back, and they knew well they didn't know they were drafting Whipler. But I, I just it's hard for me to believe that they would like him that much and then sour on him that quickly. Yeah, I agree with you, Fred. If you're going to deal anyone, let's showcase Harris in these final two preseason games and deal him to someone who is in dire need of a center. Uh, especially, I mean, if he's looking good and you get some good tape on him, you might be able to get something of value for him. So, uh, interesting question. Um, let's uh, let's see. Let's go to the next one from Palm Tree Life. He says, do you think the backup defensive tackles are currently on other teams and that we're waiting for after the cuts to happen to fill those backup areas. Well, the Browns have uh, certainly set themselves up with a number of backup defensive tackles. Uh, Tristan Hill, uh, Mo Hurst, Jordan Elliott, Tommy Togiai. They've got a lengthy list of backup defensive tackles. Do you think that they're going to find that group unsatisfactory, Fred, and continue to go, uh, go looking for, for more defensive tackles? No, I don't. Not necessarily. If somebody blows them away, that becomes available. But, I mean, the addition of Shelby Harris, to me, I think is huge. I mean, now you have the board. You not only have four really strong starters in Garrett, Tomlinson, and Harris, and uh, Zadarius Smith, but you have Obo Okoronkwo, you know, the could be a starter. So you got five frontline guys. And now I don't feel so bad having Jordan Elliott as a backup. You know, they might call him a starter, but I really think Shelby Harris is the starter. And, you know, you drafted a kid in the third round who's looked pretty good, Siaki Ika. And Maurice Hurst has looked pretty good. You know, he he has been flying around out there. So when you move everybody down one, to me, the second team is Jordan Elliott, Maurice Hurst, and Ika. I mean, I think that's 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 better than what they had as a starting lineup last year. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't know what else. I, I think Tristan Hill has hurt himself by being injured. He injured yeah. his hand last week, and then I heard he injured it the other hand against the Eagles. So I, I don't see how he's going to. You know, he hasn't really stood out a whole lot, but 
anything can happen, but you just compare what they had last year to this year. I think it's night and day. And uh, I like where they're at. I don't think they are forced into anything, but if somebody becomes available, that's better than what they have. Sure. Yeah. I don't think they need to go out and make a massive investment at this point. You know, after signing Shelby Harris, um, like you said, it's night and day uh, from last year. And, uh, you know, you saw that in the, uh, in the uh, practices against the Eagles last night, last year, we know what happened against the Eagles, how we got torn apart in the middle of the line. We know what happened during, in the exhibition game. And that's obviously not happening this year. Uh, you know, it might be too early to call, call the situation solved, but sure looks like it's been dealt with. Uh, question from uh, Rick Atkins on the YouTube uh, chat room. He says, do you think Harrison Bryant is done in Cleveland? Uh, there was some news about Harrison Bryant today. The team thinks he's getting closer to returning. Uh, I don't know if there's a date associated with that yet, uh, but the word is that he's coming back from his undisclosed medical condition. But uh, let's assume he does come back in the next week or two, Fred. Um, given the new contract that, that uh, or the adjustment to the contract uh, that they did with Bryant, do you think he's here this year? Yeah, it's the final year of his rookie contract. I think that they, they talked to him about, you know, hey, we'll give you guaranteed money for this year because his salary was somewhere like $2.7, 2. $2.8 They said, you know, we'll probably move on from you, you know, if you don't want to restructure it. And he agreed to do it. And I think the agreement to get guaranteed money, I think, uh, puts you on the roster. Now, his medical issue, we really don't know what that is. I reached out to somebody close to him and did not get a response just saying, how, how's he doing? Um, so, yeah, I, I saw that report, too, that they, the team was thinking he would be back soon. I don't know. I've seen him out there on the field walking around in his jersey and stuff. So, you know, unfortunately, the way things are nowadays, everything's tight-lipped. Nobody can talk about anything. So I have no idea what, what we're talking about. Um, I have to assume it's <laughs> – you know, they did say blood clot with Goodwin, but that doesn't mean a lot to me. They've, they've said even less about Brian, like medical yeah. issues. Oh, I know. That's all yeah. we've been told. Yep, and uh, impossible to speculate on our part and uh, uh, no good in speculating uh, about it. But uh, uh, because of that new contract, the chances that he's done in Cleveland are, are much, much lower than they otherwise uh, would be. So uh, good question, Rick. Uh, let's uh, go to the next question that we have here. Uh, by the way, if you've got questions, uh, this is certainly the time to fire them off. Uh, we've got uh, a stack of five of them here. We've got uh, 23 minutes left in the program. Uh, so we have room for a couple of more. So this is the time to get them in if you've got more questions or things you want to talk about with the legend. Uh, chat username, uh, who has a great chat username, he asks, I heard a story that Corey Bajorquez might be contributing to York's misses. What are your thoughts? And the, the deal here is that some people have gone through the statistics with Bajorquez holding for field goal kickers, and the numbers are not good. Uh, and therefore, 
uh, sort of suggesting that he might be the cause of field goal issues with the kickers. Um, any thoughts on that, Fred? What about the snapper, you know? I mean, what about – no, I mean, that, that the kicker is missing the kicks, you know? I don't know how holding the, holding the ball really has anything to do with that. If, if that's the case, do you think the special teams coach last year or this year's wouldn't have looked at that and go, wait a minute, this is the problem. I mean, I think we're kind of splitting straws here, you know. Mm. He's kicking the ball. It's just not going between the uprights. So how does that happen? You know, I haven't heard anything about the laces aren't the right direction. I haven't. I mean, I don't. I don't even know what that means. Right. He, he right. didn't put the ball down right. I mean, I think somebody that's filming this would say, "You're not putting the ball down right," and they would have corrected that last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy when it comes to this stuff, but I think the the guy, these coach. I mean, okay, you got a special team coach that that's all he does is watch that kind of stuff. I think they would compare it a little bit. I get it. I think he had, you know, but I thought it was more handling the ball up in Green Bay or wherever he was before, mm. fumbling, fumbling the ball. I didn't. I don't think he mishandled any last year. But I mean, I'm downplaying that. But I mean, it's the kicker's fault if he doesn't make it, you know, unless it gets blocked or something like that. That's hard for me to believe that the holder is the re. And if the holder is the reason, they get another holder, you know. Right. Get right. the backup quarterback. Kellen Mond, he's not doing anything else, or, or DTR. Right. It, it's, uh, or Josh Dobbs. It, it's one of those areas where you can, uh, you can have good analytics and you, you can uh, look through the stats, and the stats can tell you one thing, but the stats can you know, be misleading. You know, it can be a correlation but not indicate a cause, Right. And in this case, you've got Bubba Ventrone. You've got the kicker himself. You don't think that Cade York, if there was some problem with the hold, would be te- wouldn't be telling people there's a problem with the holding, you know, going on here. Uh, and you know, you've gone through, as you said, Fred, two special teams coordinators. If they both miss this problem, then they're you know. <laughs> The issues with the coordinators, it's not with the holder. Well, uh, they have like assistants too. There's like assistant special team coordinators. So right. I mean, there's, there's a lot of eyes looking at this stuff. And I think, yeah, it would start with the kicker. He'd go, there's something a little off here. I don't want to throw you under the bus, but you're not doing this right. You know, he's going to do it the way the kicker wants him to do it. You know, he's not going to do something that they don't want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's move on from that. Um, I'm going to try to adjust my audio because Sancho is telling me my audio is much louder than Fred's. And hopefully that helps a little bit. Um, and uh, by the way, our producer has been saying that as well. I've been trying to fiddle with it, so hopefully that improves things a little bit. Uh, so uh, Surge MDC wants to know. Uh, Fred, have you ever charted and recorded practice stats? Because there's a lot of uh, practice stats going on out here, uh, you know, that we've heard of in the last two days with the Eagles about, uh, you know, this quarterback did this and this, uh, 
you know, defensive player made this many tackles and things like that. You put any stock in that at, at all whatsoever? No. I mean, I've done a lot of stats in my day. I've been the official statistician for the Browns radio network, and I've done a lot of things. I've done stats in preseason games, but I but I haven't done them in practice. I mean, unless you want to count, counting Cade York made six out of six field goals. I mean, those are more limited. I might have kept track of how many passes were completed in the red zone drills, you know, but we're talking a handful. We're not talking about ongoing play after play after play. You know, it's there's so many variables, you know, in practice that, you know, I don't think – and there's some people that just step it up a different notch in in real games than they do in practice. I mean, that's just mm-hmm. the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. I I know uh, Serge was uh, was kidding with that comment, but uh, you know the stuff you see on social media today. There's so many people sort of trying to make a name for themselves in this business and do something different, unique. And I appreciate that. I get it. And, you know, there's a real hustle involved with uh, trying to make. Uh, your way in this business, but uh, practice stats, I'm sorry, it, it, it doesn't mean anything. But here, here's a more serious question from Serge MDC. He says, we got to keep Austin Watkins, right? And boy, what a pleasant problem that is for the Cleveland Browns, Fred. This kid has come out of nowhere. Uh, I know that there are some draft experts uh, locally who were really high on Austin Watkins, uh when he uh, was coming out in the draft in 2021, and he has proved them right. Boy, what a revelation he's been. How in the world do you make room for this kid, Fred? Well, you know, we've seen this before. I mean, I can't even remember the names of wide receivers that, you know, really look good in the preseason, and they had to keep them. And it's going to come down to calculations on, you know, who would get through waivers and who doesn't, you know? Um, This guy was in the USFL for a reason. Mm -hmm. I think he made the most of it. He caught the Browns eye. They brought him in for uh, a tryout, and he didn't really arrive till Greenbrier, so he just kind of joined the team. He's made everything of his opportunity, but they have to look at it when – you know, just like Andrew Barry, all these general managers, when they're looking at waivers, the names that stand out to them are guys that they liked in the draft and they drafted or they wanted to draft, but they went to another team and then they get cut and they see their name. And so, okay, Austin Watkins, you know, has been out there for a reason. If somebody saw him in the preseason, maybe they'll go, we got to have this guy but I think he probably has a better chance to make the practice squad than the roster because he might look night and day better than name a guy, Anthony Schwartz, Mm. uh, David Bell, but some GM would have had Anthony Bell or, or yeah, Bell or Schwartz on their list. They went in the third round. We got to get that guy, you know, right. Where Watkins, might be unclaimed and you can put him on your practice squad. I don't know. I'm just, that's just me saying it. I don't know if, if, if there's enough film from the preseason games that go, this guy we have to have at all costs. Because like I said, every team 
is going through trying to figure out how to get down to their roster. Plus, they might be cutting a wide receiver or other wide receivers get cut that are ranked higher than Watkins, even though he's looked good to the Browns. Mm -hmm. So they make a calculation, and that's the same thing going back to Ronnie Hickman and DeAnthony Bell. Who do they think has a better chance to get through waivers? And the Browns might say, well, because Hickman's made plays, we can't expose Hickman to waivers, so we're going to cut Bell. Maybe nobody will touch him and we'll bring him back. I don't know. But same way with Watkins. I just, barring injury, I don't see how he can make the team at this point. Now, that can change in the next two weeks. I just don't see him cutting, you know, Bell or Tillman or or somebody like that to keep Watkins, even if they look better. Yeah. I, I agree. And you are slowly walking me back from the ledge a little bit on these final roster cuts. Um, uh, I, uh, you know, this, this Browns roster is so much better than it has been in recent years um, that there's, uh, you know, much greater pain associated with exposing some of these guys to waivers than there has been in, in previous years. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, you're right. At some point they're going to have to make these hard decisions and hope that that tidal wave of players goes through and uh, we're able to get some of these guys through to the practice squad. We have two sort of similar questions. Uh, uh, this one's from Kevo680. He says, what do you think, do you think bringing an established running back like Wilkins, do you think that says something about what they think about Felton or Kelly? And uh, Tony asks in the Twitch chat room, uh, do you think someone at the Browns at this point are content? Do you think the Browns at this point are content with Jerome Ford Felton as a second back? Or could they still add someone? So let's talk about the Browns' running back situation. Uh, do you think Wilkins has a chance to displace either Felton or Kelly at this point? Uh, he's a guy who catches the ball out of the backfield fairly effectively, uh, a skill set that overlaps with Felton. Do you think he's going to get a legit look, or do you think Felton has established himself as the guy uh, behind Ford? I think he's going to get an opportunity in these final two games and in practice. Um, well, I don't think anything's etched in stone with Belton or Kelly. I think it's more an uh, um, indictment on Hassan Hall. I mean, he fumbled when he got in, and that's kind of your you know, death knell. You know, he might be brought back in the practice squad or something like that, but they're going to they're going to run these guys in the final games. I mean, right now you only have Felton and Kelly. The other night they put in Hall late in that game and he fumbled. And if you notice they put Felton back in to finish the game um and then put Hall back out there. So, I just think it's pure numbers. I mean, when you don't have but I think they got four running backs and that includes Nick Chubb, um Jerome Ford sitting out. You have to, you might have five now with Wilkins. So I think they're just taking a look at him. And again, when this roster gets cut down, very well could see the running back come in on a, on a waiver wire claim. You know, there might be a veteran, uh, third down back, somebody like that becomes available, you know, in the final roster cut. So, you know, I think Felton has the, that they could use him third down back so they need to 
two in a pinch, put him out in the slot as a receiver. Um, but I, but I don't think anything's etched in granite. I think he would be, if Ford's back, I think has an edge over uh, John Kelly because he can do a little bit more, but I don't know. I haven't really seen Wilkins in person yet. He mm-hmm. might be a better option than Felton. And like I said, there may be a guy released by another team at running back that they like that will move, you know, all the way to Chubb's backup. <clears throat> I'm talking about if Felton or if uh, Ford's not ready to go to start the season. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, let's see. Let's go to this one from Drew in Brick City. Uh, he says, I saw people talking about trading Conklin for a linebacker. Uh, I haven't seen that, but uh, okay. Uh, so I had to look at his contract. There's $28 million in dead cap this year that would hit the team if they traded him, right? Well, I can't tell you that right now. Uh, that's, that's a Jack Duffin question. Uh, he's our salary cap guru. But assuming that's true, you know, dealing Conklin for anyone at this point, Fred, is that something that you think the Browns would consider because of the emergence of Dewan Jones? Or do you think that the Cleveland Browns are, you know, going to stick with Conklin because this is their year and they're going to go, you know, with as loaded a roster as they possibly can? The, the Browns, by their moves, especially after the draft, Zadarius Smith trade, Rodney McLeod, Shelby Harris, they're telling everybody they believe this is the time to go for it. And why would you trade a Pro Bowl caliber tackle just because you have an up-and-coming, you think, potential guy in Dewan Jones? Dewan Jones slipped to the fourth round for a reason, because he didn't seem motivated. He didn't seem, you know, to be that into football. And with that said... You know, he's, he's been better than advertised to start training camp in the preseason. That's great. That might allow the Browns to move on. But they signed Conklin to an extension at the end of last year. I scratched my head a little bit because I thought that's what you brought in or drafted James Hudson for is to move on from Conklin plug in Hudson because he did pretty good when he played for Conklin. So them re-signing him, that told me that they weren't totally confident that Hudson was ready to go and also that Conklin was still not that far removed from his big injury that he played through last year. But as I've been told, usually you're not better until the following year, which would be this year. So that told me they felt good enough that he would be back to normal in 2023. And so, I mean, I, I get the thought, but that's a question to me maybe in the offseason for next year. I just don't think you – it's just like anything. It's like cutting Dobbs, eating the money to go with DTR. That sounds great, but he is a rookie drafted in the fifth round. And if, if Watson goes down – do you really want to turn it over to a rookie draft in the fifth round over a guy that's at least been in the NFL five, six, seven years and has started a few games? You know, it's too much at stake to just say, okay, we got a rookie, let's move on. Right, right. 
I, I think the corollary to that question is what position do you think that the Browns value more, right tackle or linebacker? And uh, I think their behavior and uh, the general strategy the NFL these days tells you it's going to be right tackle. You, you have to get a heck of a linebacker back to give up a uh, you know one of the better right tackles around or what yeah, they don't they look think at is better linebacker right like maybe you or I or the fans do. They they you know feel like guys out there, Walker and JOK or Walker and Taki Taki, you know, is all they need. A couple linebackers and, and some backups, you know, because what they want to do, you know, they don't look at the old, the Dick Butkus that we remember growing up, you know, and need yeah. that, that dominant linebacker because it's so situational. It's more pass coverage and they think JOK can be that guy and, you know, guys like that. You know, are a little quicker and athletic, and Walker can be a run stopper or talkie talkie. So, yeah, I right. don't. And all you have to do is look at the salary. You add up all the Browns linebacker salary. The highest one is JOK, and he is in the bottom fifty percent of the team's salary. So yeah. all of them added up are less than the players on this team. Yeah, that that tells you what you need to know. Uh, a couple questions left. We're going to buzz through them here in the last couple of minutes. Palm Tree Life wants to know, Fred, who has unexpectedly impressed you in this training camp? I've got a name, too, that I'll throw out there. But who's your guy, Fred? Uh, Austin Watkins. I mean, obviously he came out of nowhere. But um, Mohamed Diabate, you know, he's a linebacker that was undrafted. I mean, he's he's been opening some eyes. Um, you know, a lot of them, it's hard to single out, but I think Mike Ford has shown he's a little more than just a special teams guy. They have him playing in the cornerback, you know, role. And that's a pleasant surprise, especially when they lost Thomas Graham. So he could provide depth. He had a sack the other night. So, and Maurice Hurst, I think he's shown a little bit, um, there's guys. Most of them are not starters because we knew what we pretty much had. In that. Dewan Jones has, has been a surprise. I was afraid he was just after seeing him rookie minicamp vomiting. You know when they ask him to do any anything, you know he looks like he's taking it serious. Bill Callahan's gotten in touch with him. You know and DTR. He's better than what I thought. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. I thought he was a running quarterback and he throws in the pocket pretty well. Right, right. Well, you stole my thunder. I was going to say Dewan Jones because I was worried about the same thing you were after he fell to the fourth round and uh, did not impress, uh, shall we say, uh, uh, during rookie camp and so forth, uh, or the June minicamp. Uh, all right. Uh, one more serious question. This comes from chat username. He says, last question, Fred's projection for Miller Forstall. Uh, do you have any projection for Miller Forstall? Is he... Uh, a guy you're looking at in 2024 uh, with Harrison Bryant sticking around this year? Well, they they didn't bring him back for a reason, but then he came back recently when the injury, you know, bug occurred with Bryant. I think his best chance is, is the practice squad tight end. I think Bryant will be back, and you got Bryant and Jordan Akins and Njoku. I don't think they'll keep more than three, but – they have Greeny, a rookie, and they have Mitchell Payton, who they kept around for a year. 
They obviously liked him better than Forrestal. So I think it's him or you know, Forrestal or Mitchell Payton for a practice squad role. But, yeah, I mean, I think they, they're looking down the road, but I don't see him making the roster this year unless Bryant doesn't come back. Right, right. And uh, that's not looking like the case right now. Uh, okay, Sancho Bermuda wants to know if we are on next week, and we absolutely are, Sancho. Uh, you can expect us here every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, uh, barring illness, barring, you know, other related unexpected things. Fred and I will be here pretty much every Wednesday at 7 o'clock, uh, you know, through the season and all that sort of stuff uh, until you guys get sick of us. And then uh, one last question. Uh, Kevo680 wants to know Taylor Swift or Beyonce. Now, I have to put this question in context. Both Fred and I are individuals who have been married for 35 years. I've been married for 36 years. I don't know how long you've been married, Fred, a long time. Uh, so I know you're not asking who we find you know, more attractive. You must be asking our musical opinions on these two. And I don't think I've ever heard a single song that Taylor Swift has made. So I'd have to say Beyonce, clearly, uh, due to my incredible ignorance of Taylor Swift. What's your what's your musical take on these two artists, Fred? Yeah, um, 44 years on Friday. There you go, 44 years. Well done, but, sir. Um, but I guess Taylor Swift would be, you know, my, my go-to. I can't think of her, the names of the songs. I've heard some, but... Yeah, it's just mainly because I got grandkids that know more about it than I do. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yep, yep. I uh, just got off a of vacation, and uh, one of my nieces is a Swifty, and that's uh, a lot of what I heard over the last week was all about Taylor Swift. But uh, I'm not familiar with the music. At any rate, thank you for the question, Kevo. Uh, always good to get a non-football question worked in there. Uh, at any rate, uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate you coming out and hanging out with us uh, uh, for another edition of OBR Weekly. Fred and I will be back here again next week. So for the legend Fred Greetham, I'm Barry McBride. Thanks for hanging with us. We'll see you next Wednesday. So long. Good night. Thank you. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.